Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Post Game Pints podcast with myself, Mitch Gallo, and Sean Campbell. We're brought to you by LeBrost and Cunningham's Pub. Usually at this time, I give you all the details of what we're about to talk about, but we're going to keep it very simple today and talk about everything that happened during NHL trade deadline. Hello, Sean. Hello, Mitch. I mean, I thought it was a pretty busy NHL trade deadline leading into it uh, the week before. Uh, I know you had the Major Giroux uh, deal. He plays his thousandth game. And it's funny because he was honored on the game of game 1000. Usually players are honored on game 1001 after you play the game 1000. They don't usually honor the thousand games until you complete it. I know just playing in the game, but he was honored during because they knew he wasn't going to play another game and he gets off. I thought that was a significant deal. But I know uh, locally for for you and I with the Montreal Canadiens, it was an incredibly busy day uh, from the when is that Kulak trade going to go down to Lekkonen uh, getting shipped off and uh, the Canadians really, really stocking up that closet full of draft picks and prospects. I, I thought it was... Uh, a very busy day, and it did change the way I looked at some of these playoff matchups or potential matchups. Yeah, and you know, looking at um, the delay in the Kulak process, Sean, you talk about what a busy day it was. Uh, the NHL was backlogged at registry with about 33 deals, and I know there was some complications with the Dadanoff trade and a no-trade clause. Also, I think it was at 725. Uh, that we saw uh, the Anaheim Ducks with a deal trading Ryan Kessler's contract. So I know there was some complications with the uh, Mm -hmm. salary cap and contract statuses and registry trying to figure out all those deals, Uh, but everything went through and it was a a, a busy day, as you mentioned. Uh, So let's uh, start with the Montreal Canadiens and then we could branch out and and speak about some of the other trades uh, that could be of significance uh, come playoff time. Uh, So we start with the, the big one for Montreal, uh, the Canadians trade Arturi Lekkinen uh, to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, the Canadians get Justin Barron uh, as the big piece uh, coming back in that deal. Uh, Sean, uh, what did you think of the uh, Lekkinen trade and how the Canadians made out? Well, look, they got a first rounder. I mean, he was a first round pick and where he is at his development right now, maybe it slid to a second round pick in the minds of Colorado fans. Uh, but everybody I spoke with uh, moments after, uh, you know, saying that this guy is destined to be a top four defenseman in the National Hockey League, and he's a big guy, 6'2", and he can skate. Cool. Now I want to see him myself. Uh, that's kind of where I am with Justin Barron, but they got that first-round pick, a guy that was a couple rounds uh, a couple years ago. They don't have to make the pick. It's a pick that maybe uh, Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes always liked. Uh, there is a connection because they know the family, and they always talk about character and uh, he's a guy that's played Team Canada. He's he knows Caden Gooley. Probably still already has his phone number. Uh, there's a potential that there's a pairing there. I think there's a lot of good things about this. I like that they're just shoring up their defense prospects. I know a lot of people like the Montreal Canadiens prospects. When you get into a Jordan Harris, a Struble, a Norlander, uh, a Gooley, and now you're adding uh, this into the mix, a guy that's a little bit closer. He's got AHL experience. He might be able to, he's going to start in the NHL. He might be able to go down to the AHL and help them. There's really nothing that you don't like here uh, because you get the second round pick too. I would have been uh, upset if the Canadians just traded Lekkonen for a second round pick. I've been very adamant about that, but they're able to get a first round prospect that's really close to the NHL. This is, this is a pretty neat deal 
by the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, I'm curious how Justin Barron, um, you know, pans out within the Canadiens organization within the next calendar year. Is it a half and half season next year, AHL, NHL? Is he in the plan for the NHL? Is he motivated to come into a new team where maybe there's just a little bit more opportunity? This is going to be this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Well, I think you should be pretty excited as somebody who calls uh, Laval Rocky games on radio at TSN 690 uh, because he should be with them for the uh, stretch run and then the playoffs. A barren blast. You already you already prepped for that, aren't you? <laughs> well, well, good on you. And Sean, look, I'm I'm excited for the Canadians and Canadian fans uh, with the way that they made out in this deal. I think if you look at the Colorado uh, perspective, uh, they were definitely trying to work out a deal for Claude Giroux and the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the Flyers wanted to do right by Giroux and send him where he wanted to go. And clearly that was Florida. So when that didn't work, the path, uh, the, the avalanche turned their focus to some of the other forwards available that could fit and help them uh, for their run at the, at the playoffs. And, uh, and that's when they, they went to, uh, to Lekkanen. Uh, by all accounts, Sean, I heard that two guys the Avalanche really didn't want to move uh, were Bo Byram, who has had the injury problems, but is still a very high-end prospect, clearly, and Justin Barron. I I don't think they wanted to move this guy. I I, I think Kent Hughes, though, has been a very good negotiator in the process and and realized that he was in the driver's seat here. like He was in command because he didn't have to make a trade, especially with Lekkanen. You know, you know, here's the thing just on that. Let, let me, let's just go to Justin Barron for a second, okay? Because yeah. I, I, I like I like your angle that you're going here because this is this is what happens all the time, I think, with general managers. Okay, so <laughs> they're trying to negotiate with the Flyers to get Giroud. That, that's their priority number one. And, you know, they're like, oh, can we have Byron? And they're like, no, no, okay, well, what about Barron? Okay, we'll trade Barron if we're going to get Giroud back. Okay, we're going to do that. So then in Colorado's mind, They've already traded Justin Barrett, even though they didn't want to, but it was for Claude Giroux. That doesn't go through. Now they're back to square one, but they've already traded him in their mind. They're like, okay, all right, this is what we need to give up to get this guy, even though it may not be worth it. We're overpaying, but I already shipped him off in another deal and it didn't go. So now I'm just like, he's out of sight, out of mind. Sometimes I think GMs think that way because it was part of another deal. Like if... Owen Tippett wasn't part of the Giroud deal. I feel like Owen Tippett would have been traded by Florida no matter what, just because of the way that they were thinking about making trades. Sorry, go back to what you're thinking. I think that about GMs a lot. <laughs> no, that, that that's fine. But but the point is, I, I don't think uh, Barron is a guy that they were, were, were hell-bent on moving. I think they wanted to keep him. And I think there were some other players, uh, lower-ranked prospects that they yeah. would have preferred. But I think Ken Hughes did a good job of uh, managing the asset until it was time to trade him. Like he didn't rush into anything, and he know he knew the whole time that if a deal didn't come across that he thought was a home run, he wasn't going to swing at the pitch, and he'd take a walk and go to off to, to the off season to use a baseball analogy. So I, I think he did he did really well in in this trade. You know I like the deal for Colorado in the short term because Arturi Lekkinen does make them better. Uh, I think he will be playing. Um, I think uh, Jared Bednar said he'd be playing with Alex Newhook and and Miko Sturm, who they just picked up in yeah. the uh, Tyson Joe steal. I think that's going to be a hard line to play against uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. You know, I'm, I'm curious, Sean, how it's going to work out in the offseason for Lekkanen with the Arbrights 
and and Colorado uh, clearly not going to be able to fit him in mm-hmm. at four plus million dollars. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is on the last year of his uh, cookie deal at uh, at a shade over six, so they're going to be working on that contract negotiation for 2023 uh, for uh, for Nathan McKinnon. So just I, I don't know how it works long term for Colorado because I don't think they're going to be able to keep Lekkinen. I think he is a player who we could potentially see his rights uh, move this summer at the draft. If Colorado wants to try to get an asset back that they lost in the deal with Montreal. Uh, but in the short term, I like this for Colorado in the long term. I love this for Montreal. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious because a guy like Lekin and another good playoff run, he had a good playoff run last year can kind of jump him from a $3 million player to $4 million player. He can, he could earn upwards of an extra of four, five million depending on the length of the contract of performance so he's really motivated and i like that for colorado for you know going all in you're getting a motivated player heading into an rfa year uh the other deal that the canadians met made uh, mitch was uh, brett kulak uh the canadians take an nhl player back and william Lagason. uh he's kind of going back and forth the hl 50 nhl games that's fine uh they get the second round pick and that's either this year or next year, depending on how far Edmonton goes in the playoffs. And a seventh, good for you, Ken Hughes. You got a seventh-round pick, just extra uh, three-piece deal. Somebody called a three-piece deal for Brett Kulak. I don't remember who it was. I think it was me uh, when I was on TSN and when I heard that he was getting traded. And I did it in jest, and then it happened. It was kind of funny. Well, but, Yeah, but anyways, what do you think of the haul? I, I think, Sean, uh, the, the haul for Kulak was best summed up by Pierre Lebrun on television, who said, I think the quote was, if you would have told me two weeks ago that Brett Kulak would fetch you a second-round pick, I would have told you you were on crack. (laughs) That's what Pierre Lebrun uh, said on TSN, which made me chuckle because I I think he's bang on there, Sean. I mean, uh, Kulak was an unrestricted free agent to be, and he is not a defenseman uh, that plays in your top four. If no, you're a good team, maybe defense on Edmonton. We'll see. Um, but the value for Kulak was was pretty mind blowing. You know, like uh, like I said with Lekkinen, I know that uh, his contract was expiring, but that I don't I don't think that means that Kent Hughes felt he had to trade uh, Kulak no matter what. And I think that was his real good negotiation tactic like listen we didn't see chris weidman move and he's an unrestricted free yeah. agent so it's not like you have to trade uh, the entire team or get rid of all the contracts that are expiring just because you're not a contending team so uh the fact that he used that i think as leverage in, in his uh, negotiation tactics was very smart and i don't think you could have possibly I've hoped for more if you're the Canadians than what they got for Kulak. Uh, for Edmonton, uh, Sean, I, you know, I, I think he helps them. They're they're weak on the blue line. I think he Kulak obviously skates very, very well. Yeah. Uh, that ice in Edmonton is the best ice in the league, and I think Kulak will probably look good there. I think uh, he himself probably happy to be going to Edmonton. So you, you, you did right by the player, which I, I think you could never really uh, understate. I think it's pretty important. Uh, to, to make sure that when, when you pull off these transactions, the players are on board. And uh, Edmonton slightly better. Uh, but <laughs> a second-round pick for Kulak is just it's, – it's wow return. Uh, for yeah. The Canadians. I kind of look at uh, – it's weird. I saw the LA Kings. They pick up Tory Stetcher. And look, 
Kulak stature, but what you're doing is you're picking up a third defenseman. They did it for a seventh round pick. And is Kulak that much better than Stetcher? He's a different player, but you're going to be trying to get the same kind of minutes from that player, right? The the LA Kings were, they, they didn't want to spend money, but they wanted an extra body. Maybe that's such a Mark Bergevin. I know he's not the GM, but such a Mark Bergevin move, the, the Stetcher. He would have never done it for a second round pick, but then Ken Hughes just played the market and maybe he was able to drive. He's like, no, we love Kulak. And, by saying that last week, maybe he got the to a fourth round to a third round. And then in the third round, when he's talking to everybody, everyone's like, oh, I didn't get this defensive, this defense, but I need a defenseman that could skate. Oh, Kulak. Okay. He gets the second round pick. Then it's okay. Well, I need an NHL player back. I need someone back because look, I only have five defense, but I need someone back. So can you give me somebody? Okay, no problem. Oh, uh, before you hang up, I need a seventh round or two. I don't know how that happened. What do you it's like? The deal's the second rounder. And there's so many other little elements here that uh, it just goes the way of the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm very curious how this is going to play out long-term with Ken Hughes because that was a good showing for his first trade deadline. I don't know what you think. Yeah, and, and, and Sean, again, you know, I'll, I'll look a big picture here to what the Canadians were able to do. Um, so Tyler Toffoli was traded. He was a free agent signing. So it cost nothing to get him. As far as assets, use just money and you ship them off and you get a first round pick and a, a B-level prospect. Then you look at Ben Sherratt, same thing, free agent signing, and you get a first round pick, a B-level prospect. Then you look at the Kulak trade. They give up a couple American Hockey League players. They get Kulak in return. The expectations were that Kulak was going to play in the American Hockey League. He doesn't. He plays in the NHL. And then you turn those minor league prospects into a second and a seventh round pick and a player that was placed on waivers a couple times. And then finally, the Lekkinen deal, you uh, you draft Lekkinen with a second round pick and you turn that into a player that was drafted in the first round and a second round pick. So... I just think asset management-wise, the Canadians have done fantastic at the trade deadline because everything they gave up, they acquired for less than what they received to get those pieces in the first place. And and you know what? You could look at their their draft and uh, two two first-rounders this year, two first-rounders next year, the amount of second-rounders that they have coming up, the amount of third-rounders. They have 11 picks in the top three rounds in the next two drafts. And, And here's the thing. You look at the amount of picks that Arizona has now, and you're like, "Whoa!" Like, if you, it's it's tenfold to that, and no one's even come close to that. Even Ottawa has a bunch of picks too. But then you look at the team that the Canadians have on the ice. You already have Suzuki. You already have Romanov. You already have like, you know, Arizona doesn't have that. They have nothing really on that roster just yet. They're just living off of draft picks, and they're going that route. Whereas the Canadians, they're building something on the ice, and they're building something off the ice. And I I do say this, Mitch, and I know that Kent Hughes, he's in a good situation, but his cupboards weren't bare. Mark Bergevin didn't leave Kent Hughes with nothing. There are teams that if they fall flat, there's nothing. I mean, prospect-wise or draft pick-wise, they have to keep winning with what's on the ice and that's it. The Canadians have built this stockpile 
of picks that they can't miss on. Now we'll see what kind of GM Ken Hughes is when it comes to the draft. You can accumulate all the draft picks you want, but if you can't draft, there's nothing going to happen from it. But I, I think that they're in a very good situation for next year, the year after, and the years to come for the Canadians. You know, so I think it's pretty good. Do uh, you want to touch on a couple deals around the National Hockey League here uh, that you thought were significant or went under the radar that you didn't have enough time uh, to discuss that you think will help some teams? Uh, some I know that some of the bigger deals happened prior to, like the Giroux, the, uh, the, uh, the Hagel deal uh, for, for Tampa, which is such a Tampa deal. Um, you know, Nick Paul. I, by the way, I did like Matthew Joseph going to the uh, Ottawa Centers. I really like that player. I kind of like that little pickup. Uh, I just changed them, no, but I kind of like that 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 little move that they did there. Uh, I love Tyler Mott and Andrew Kopp to the New York Rangers. I think those I, are, I know you're calling on those two specifically, yeah. Yeah. And, and I just I just like those. It's to the Rangers. I know they got Braun. They probably prefer to have a Sherrod or. A, but I think the Rangers shored up a little bit of playoff toughness because they do have like that top end skilled talent that they lean on so heavily, the Fox, the yep. the, the the Panarin. And I like that they 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 got some battle tested players that, you know, can can do that. I like what the Rangers did under the radar. I don't think they made anything major, but I think that they shored up to be playoff ready. And maybe this is not their year in the East, but I mean the Rangers are going in that right direction, and I and I like I like a little bit moves from the Rangers. I don't know who else you want to jump on here of teams that you thought did well or didn't do well. Well, uh, Sean, I, I I liked the uh, the Penguins getting uh, Raquel and Bolia. Loved the Raquel deal. I I think I uh, think I think that's a real under the radar move too. Um, I I love watching West Coast hockey. Raquel's a heck of a player. Uh, so that one I liked uh, for Pittsburgh. Um, I like Giordano uh, to Toronto. I think that's a pretty good fit, and uh, I don't I don't think the Leafs gave up a ton to get him. I'm surprised that Edmonton, uh, Colorado, uh, Toronto, Vegas didn't look at their goalie situations. We didn't see goalies move into those cities. That surprised me yeah. a little bit. Well, there weren't uh, like there weren't too many like I just on the goalies. I know everyone's like, oh, you could do this, this, and everyone's like, Alan could change. I'm like. Alan, is he still a starter? No, he's kind of that. He's going to help your goaltending situation, but are you going to be able to lean on Allen for four rounds of the playoffs? Like, yeah, I, I I know Sean, but if you know the the cities that I mentioned, you know maybe maybe Jack Campbell could get back on track with Toronto. I don't know. I think Allen would have been an upgrade, even if he's not a goalie that can carry you four rounds, like you're saying. I I agree with you, but I think he would be an upgrade on what they have in Edmonton with Mike Smith and, and Nico Koskinen. Yeah. I, th- I think um, in Vegas, there's just a lot of uncertainty right now with uh, the Robin Lehner uh, situation. You know, there was a report that his season was over. Lehner uh, denied those reports and said that it wasn't in fact true. There was another uh, report that it was a, a broken kneecap, which uh, sounds like a very painful injury. I've never done that. Mm-hmm. But you would think it would keep you out for some time. I've had so kneecap thought, problems. Yeah, yeah I, know I, I don't think I've broken one, but I've had kneecap problems. It's not. So, yeah. Like just uh, like, can can you have uh, a goalie like Jake Allen? It doesn't even have to be Jake Allen. It could be anybody that was available. Sean, come in there until uh, Laner is good to go, at least to get you to yeah. the playoffs because that team was floundering a bit. It's, uh, it's, it's just what I was wondering about. And then uh, lastly, I mean, we could finish here by uh, touching on the trade that sent uh, Marc-Andre Fleury to the Minnesota Wild since we're talking about 
uh, mm. goaltenders right now. Uh, that that one's a bit of a curious one to me uh, because uh, they seem set in goal with with Cam Talbot, and now they're going to have this kind of platoon, two-headed monster. You know, Flurry's been part of this with Robin Lehner already, so maybe he's mm. used to it. Uh, I think, you know, Cam Talbot might be looking at this and saying, like, WTF, like, well, what's going on? Why would you trade uh, for a goalie? I thought I was your guy. So, I, look, I have all the time in the world for Marc-Andre Fleury. Love him as a player. I just was a bit surprised to see that it was Minnesota uh, yeah, that I, ended up acquiring him after uh, all the other teams that had a much more pressing need in goal than Minnesota. Yeah, I just thought Flurry was going to go to a place where he was going to be the guy. And I know he's older now, but he's been the guy. And that's why I don't mind when, you, when you've when you been the guy, if you're going to be the guy in the playoffs, he would know exactly what it takes. And he might have some ups and downs in the playoffs. So that's why I thought that there was a possibility he'd go somewhere. But he ended up going somewhere where it's going to be another tandem situation for him. And Mitch, you know how I feel about that kind of situation in the playoffs. I just find coaches overthink things. And we saw it with Vegas against the Canadians last year. It was Laner and Flurry, And you think that it's one goalie and they have one off period. And then like change the goalie. Oh, that's what we'll, we'll be fine because we changed the goalie. Maybe you should just stick with the one guy and maybe, but then you have to make decisions quicker because it's only a four game series. And now here's Minnesota. Whoever starts in the playoffs, if it's Tam, Cam Talbot or Flurry. After two games, if they're down 2-0, they're going to change their goalie. I promise you. I promise you. And if they're down 3-1, they're going to change their goalie. I promise you that's what's going to happen. And it might be for the better. They'll get that little bit of a boost. But then what happens when you win two games at 3-3 and then you get into the game seven? You're like, who's our starter for game seven? That's never a good situation. Any team that has to question their goaltending in a game six or a seven playoff, I'll take the other team who doesn't have to question their goaltending situation. Even if it's a bad goalie, they know who the bad goalie is is so that i don't i'm not a big fan of tandems in the playoffs i understand tandems can get through through seasons and everything look canadians tandem pretty much is price and allen i know that you know we don't know what the future holds but it's price and allen but there was no tandem in the playoffs i know it's price but it was price you can you can go 41 41 all regular season one but when the playoffs come you don't care you know it's price you're not giving him a night off to allen it just doesn't happen so I'm curious how, why it was Minnesota. So I'm curious if they're going to split the goaltending or they're just going to give Flurry the reins and say, hey, go have some fun. Do this for us. Because you know what? The West is wide open. It really is. And, you know, like Daryl Sutter said, you may not want to face Colorado right now, but other than that, I think the West is open. All right, Sean. I think, uh, I think we're good on our post-trade deadline uh, podcast here on the post-game points uh, podcast. So, Want to tell everybody, well, thank you for listening. We appreciate uh, we appreciate you doing so. And don't forget to uh, click, listen, and smash uh, that subscribe button. I know that's when you like to uh, smash your screen, uh, Campbell. Uh, it's, called, it's called a Baron Smash. Bear Smash? A Baron Smash. A like Baron Justin, Smash. Oh, yeah. A Baron, I, well, I think a Baron Blast. Yeah, but, but uh, it, you, there's a blast and a smash. He's a big guy. He could shoot. He could hit. He could do it all. He's, you know, he's the new Arturi Lekkinen. can do it all. <laughs> Uh, episode 103. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs>